welcome to the podcast. You have me, your host, Justin Edmonds, and my co-host. That's where you say your name. Insert my name. <laughs> Sean Lewis. Says, insert your name. No, yeah. <laughs> Sean Lewis here for you. <laughs> um, as usual, this podcast is brought to you by EM Technologies. That's my business. And you can go to emtmi.com to you know, contact me to buy things, integrate things. If you've got questions, anything you need, uh, you can definitely find me there. So without further ado, I think we get into today's episode. And I saw this video um, from a guy that I, I've been kind of following for a little bit. Um, his name is Brady. I I don't know if I pronounce his last name right. Shahir? Shearer? He's Brady Shearer. Yeah. Uh, Brady Shearer. Sheer, sure, sheer. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna go with the most Irish thing I can think of, obviously. So that's <laughs> I don't know. Um, he is from Canada, and he his channel is all about kind of online media for like the church. Um, and he said some pretty good stuff. You know, nothing that I've like super thought was crazy, but. Um, he posted this one. Let's see. Does it say how long ago he posted this? And January 11th. And it is why I still don't recommend live streaming for small churches. And I think that's good. A, that I like that he clarified this for small churches. And he's not saying church in general. Um, but I wanted to do kind of like a react. For an earlier video. Yes. From like a couple years ago. Yeah. They did so where, where that wasn't necessarily clarified, I suppose, in, in that particular. <laughs> yeah. So what I want to do is I I want to kind of do like watch the video and react to it, um, if that's if that's cool. So game. All right. Let's do it. Almost four years ago now, I published this video on the channel: why live streaming for churches is overrated. And that is a belief that I have long held. Uh, that video wasn't the first time I shared it, but it was that. Hey, by the way, like, just shout out to me if you want me to pause it. Shout. Video that was seen by the most people. Now, unsurprisingly, when the pandemic began and people landed on this video, comments like this one started coming in, quote, this didn't age well. Or, oh, how things change. Has your opinion changed now? LOL. This video sure doesn't apply during COVID, LOL. And then last week, I got this. That person was laughing out loud a lot. On Instagram from a pastor. <laughs> Quote, you did a video on live streaming and why you'd advise smaller churches not to do it. Do you still have the same thoughts post COVID? I'm doing a church plant out of my house and really like that idea, but it seems I always get asked where my live stream is. So in this video, we're going to revisit this question. Has my opinion uh, changed at all? Or Paused. 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 <laughs> What's the best way to signify that? Um, I, I'm just curious because you, I mean, I, we both work in, in media in, in a, in a way or um, you mm -hmm. work with it a lot of different ways. Obviously I'm mostly just in the film side of things now. Right. Um, but does this question come up to you quite a bit, especially with uh, with COVID and everything, I'm just curious. I mean, I've heard a lot about it, and I'm not in the integration side of things like you are. Like you're a full on integrator, so you deal with audio, video, lighting, like the whole nine. I 
and mostly on the filmmaking side. But when, I, like the question of like, should you live stream? Yeah, should or I don't even know if that question comes out as much as how do we? Just like still, they don't even ask, hey, should we? They just say, hey. Well, I would say that honestly, most of the people that I deal with aren't asking me how to live stream. Most of the okay. people that I have are saying, hey, I need your help to live stream better because we just like slap something together, you know? Yeah. And it was like one of the techs had OBS on a laptop that they personally owned type thing. And they were like, mm. we need help, you know, kind of actually like <laughs> setting it up correctly. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people aren't necessarily asking me how to live stream at this point. Uh, we got okay. a lot of that in the early days of 2020 and okay. you know, okay. that trickled into 2021. But now that we're kind of in 2022, uh, if you haven't been live streaming during the pan pandemic for two years, you know, you're probably never going to do it. Um, <laughs> so it, yeah, it's been definitely more, uh, can you help us make it better or do it correctly? You know, I did, yeah. I do have a lot of people who are like, Hey, we've just been like propping up a phone or like an iPad. Um, yeah you know live streaming that way um but yeah they're like now finding that like people are actually watching they want to continue to have like their content online yeah okay cool yeah i was just curious in your position so that's okay cool sweet <laughs> continue <laughs> or has my belief remained steadfast despite now being as unpopular as ever let's dive in Okay, let's get a couple of things out of the way. My job, as I see it, is to help churches navigate the world of digital and the internet, helping you take the good news of Jesus and share it with the world, where the people are. The people are online, and so that's where we're going. But sometimes there are topics I don't love to cover, that I'm not personally passionate about, that I do not even advocate for. Yet, there's still wide. All right, I want to pause there. That, that's a really good statement that he makes, is that, we want to take the word of Jesus and we want to spread it. And that's what the church has been about for so long. And now where are the people? People are online. I think that that's a really important thing. And that's the foundation. I think that a lot of people use for the thought process of live streaming. And I think that's a really great one. And I will state that my opinion about what he's going to say in this video, uh, I shared and I still kind of share and I've been kind of like back and forth <laughs> uh, uh, on it. And I think that as uh, as time goes on and I get more and more interactions with different types of organizations, my opinion changes. And I think that, and I don't know if he says it in this, but it's like, this doesn't fit everyone. And I think that that's really important is that like, I think that what he's going to suggest here, I think is really good for some people. And I think is not as easy or affordable for other people, if that makes sense. But for sure. what yeah. he was saying about like bring the you know the word of Jesus to where people are and people are online. I think that's very key and I think something that we have to remember as we talk about online content. Yeah, you must go where the peoples are. Right. Yeah. We become fishers of men. Widely requested, even demanded. I make content about them. And live streaming is perhaps the best example of this. So much so that if you go to this channel's videos and sort by most popular, about a quarter of our top 25 most viewed videos are dedicated to live streaming and online church, which might lead you to 
I'm a supporter of live streaming. In actuality, sometimes you've just got to give the people what they want. And then to give you insight into how I arrive at beliefs like this, my primary motivation is always effectiveness. Does this drive the mission of the church forward? Does this fulfill our vision? On a pause right there, because A, the, this thing that he has up here I think is really important right now. But before that, the idea that uh, he has a belief that he stands firmly on, but he's, I don't know, that just strikes me as funny. <laughs> that seems a bit wishy-washy. You got got to give the people what they want. You got to give the people what they want. Like, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I get that. And I think for me personally, as someone who does a YouTube channel, like, there's a there is a fine line of creating content for like your firm beliefs and what you want to do and what, like what people want to see uh and i think that there there is a fine line there like if he is about to tell you that he thinks that's overrated and you shouldn't do it you know the fact of the matter is that everyone's going to do it you know uh, not everyone but a mass majority of people are going to do it anyways I might as well make content on how to do that really, really well, you know, to make sure that at least it's being done well. So, so it's like, do it, here's how you do it right. Exactly. exactly. So I can, I can kind of see how that's not really wishy-washy, you know, type thought process. Um, but yeah, but uh, sorry, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just, it struck me as funny at first because he's, uh, you know, I know his, his stance, at least previously, I don't know if he's going to change anything, you know, in this video, and it is funny that there's all these videos that he has that are about, you know, how to do it and how to better it, the the advantages or, you know, different things like that on it. Because it kind of seems like if you're, if you're very strongly focused on something, you're not going to draw attention to it. You will always draw it to the alternative. Right. You know. Yeah. And so the mission the statement that he has up here, I think you, you're right, is really important to talk about. You know, it says my primary motivation. Does this drive the mission of the church forward? does this fulfill the vision of our church? And yeah. we talked about that in our yes. casting vision. And I think that that is one of the things that like we recorded that episode and then this video came out um, mm -hmm. or at least I saw this video after we recorded it. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like that totally lines up exactly with what we talked about. And yeah. I love the whole, does this drive the mission of the church forward? Like yeah. part of that. Um, yeah. Me too. Yeah, because yeah, always... you have to take your your vision or whatever it is that you want to do and you have to put it up against the overall vision of the church and ask yourself if it lines up. Right. That's what, that's what you're talking about, right? That one. Yeah. 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 And, I, you know, when I talk with clients um, pre-pandemic, um, I was always like when they would say, well, we want to live stream. We, we're not live streaming. I would always ask them, like, oh, what's the purpose of the live stream? You know, because there's like, in my opinion, there's about three real major, um, you know, versions of live streaming. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the version one is we have a handful of people that are sick, you know, can't make it to church because they're out of town, but still want to watch church. Maybe the handful of snowbirds. And it's like, it's not really high production. It's just like maybe a camera in the background, in the back of the room that's, you know, kind of sound just stage so that you can see what's going on and you can hear. Cool. Right. That's one version. Then there's the second version where it's like, hey, you know, we want to be able to let people that aren't coming to our church 
be able to see what we're doing, you know, like kind of like, who are we, you know, maybe our congregation is inviting people and wants to send, you know, our live stream to someone so they can see what we're doing. Like that's version two as some more production done to it. And then there's like three where it's like, we're making online content, you know, like we're trying to be, you know, do like essentially like a TV show, you know, that we're going to be pulling clips from and we're going to be, you know, and it's like high production, you know, like, and I mean, high production can be different scales depending on how big you are, you know, not, obviously not everyone's mm -hmm. elevation church, but those are usually the three that I kind of stick in. And I think that uh, pandemic kind of uh, changed some of my thought process on those three. And I think that those three still exist, but mm -hmm. I've been pushing people towards the fourth version than I have now. And the All fourth right. version, I think, is kind of right in between the version two and version three, um, where it's not necessarily like you're creating a TV show, but I've been finding it more along the lines of like, you should be, you're creating online content, like mm. YouTube formatted, you know, like what we're doing here, like this video, like it feels like I'm sitting across the table, like having, you know, a cup of coffee with you or, you know, whatever you know, type of thought process, you know, where when you watch like Elevation, Elevation's filmed like a TV show, mm -hmm. you know, it's not filmed for YouTube. And so I've been pushing people to say like, listen, like you're filming this. Like when I watch the analytics of my church, most people are watching on their phones still. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's just some of that yeah. like let's drive the mission of the church forward. So it's like, what are you guys trying to do? You know, and then make sure that you fill in the blank, you know, type thought process. I think number five, because you listed four off there, number five that I've heard a few times, not a whole lot, but a few times, um, is we can grow our numbers this way. Mm. When I hear that as the first thing, then <laughs> I'm almost like, yeah, I can't help you. Uh, if, if that's your goal is to grow your number. <laughs> I mean, then, it can. I mean, when we were, yeah, when we were, mm -hmm. you know, when we were you know, working at, you know, Riz and we started live streaming access, yep. our whole point of live streaming access was just because we wanted people to be able to see what we were doing, you know, because we were, we were kind of exploding with people coming mm -hmm. and people kept asking us like, hey, are, you know, how can I get content, you know, that we're doing here because I, I'm inviting these people and they don't like church or they think church is blank. You know, and right. I want to be able to have them see what church really is. And so we started live streaming so that they could have that content. And within the first like three or four months of us live streaming, we saw our numbers go up like 20%, you know, yeah. because now all those people that were being invited that like weren't sure now had something that they could see. And they were like, oh, I want to be a part of that. And then they, you know, yeah. they showed up. So like, I think uh, the other part of that too, if I remember was, um, there was that, and then there was in the off season, all these people that wanted to still be a part of it, mm -hmm. but they were going back to their homes, you know, so right. yep. they, they it was a college ministry. Yeah. It's all, yeah. College. Yeah. I guess it's a, a good clarifier. Right. <laughs> um, they were, they were going back to their home States or their hometowns or whatever, and they were no longer close enough physically to, to come. And so that was another really cool, um, cool reason behind that one. And that was yeah. cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. That's 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 a good one. So like we're up to five now. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, cool. If I hit play. Yeah, for sure. That's how.
I make these evaluations. Mission is what I value most. You also notice the title of this video identifies smaller churches because believe it or not, according to Barna, only about 8% of churchgoers attend a church of 1,000 or more. And almost half, 46%, attend a church of 100 or fewer. And then 40% attend a church with average attendance between 100 and 350, meaning together 86%, almost 9 in 10 of all churchgoers in America, attend churches where the average weekend attendance is fewer than 350. That's America. I'm in Canada. If you're in the UK, Australia, most places in the West, our numbers likely skew even smaller. Now, that American data, it's about five years old now from the State of Church 2016. Numbers may have shifted slightly since then, but not dramatically, even with the global events we've lived through. And the reason I bring up church size at all is because despite the vast majority of churchgoers attending smaller churches, it's the highly visible and highly influential churches that we see all the time. Think of it this way. There's a very small sliver of influential churches and pastors that make up the majority of what we see online, the majority of what we see in leadership books, the majority of who we see on stages at conferences. And when that happens, it creates conditions for a distorted perspective to emerge on what's actually happening in the everyday church. Because if we see other churches doing something over and over again, when we're tasked with making a similar decision, we're that much more likely to just follow the leader. The problem exaggerated in digital ministry by the fact that most churches don't have people on staff or in positions of leadership with experience in digital or social or the internet, which makes us even that much more likely to copy other churches and follow the leader. And now we're making decisions not motivated by mission or effectiveness. We're just being copycat. And that is not a wise way to make choices. I think we can all agree on that. So how would I counsel a church smaller in size, fewer than 350 on average, let's say, on whether or not they should start live streaming. Well, there are basically... Okay, hey, I want to stop that before he gets, like, too far. Um, I don't disagree with him in the sense of the majority of what I see online, like, even for myself, who's, like, actively looking for this stuff. Um, the majority of what I see is Elevation, Hillsong, Bethel, Gateway, you know, mixing some TD Jakes in there. Um, mm -hmm. Occasionally I'll see some Jesus culture stuff, you know, like it is, you know, like these five or six, you know, between five and 10 ish, you know, churches. And I get that. And like, some of that is like, he kind of like, he kind of answers like, and gives a reason why we see that, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, well, kind of a obvious thought process of, well, yeah, you just said it. Like, they have crews of, you know, 20, 30, 40 guys, you know, people creating content, like to just push out content, you know, yeah. like I can see literally I can go in, on YouTube and I can find full length elevation work, you know, messages. I then can go to Stephen Furtick's YouTube channel and I can see clips that are 10 minutes long of each one of those sermons. And then I can go and see shorts of Stephen Furtick. And I can see clips of, you know, you know, and it's like, because they're just able to catalog all that. And they're just trying to push all this content out constantly because of what he's saying, like they want to be out there. Like they want to get the word out there. So they're just like pushing content, pushing content, pushing content. Uh -huh. A church of 350 people are lucky to have one person be able to do that. Yeah. And so it, it's like, well, yeah, of, of course we're going to end up copying. And, you know, and 
we talked about this, you know, before is let the inspire don't copy, but like there's only there's only so much you can do without like actually copying people, you know, like especially in video world, you know, it's like obviously like <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it kind of bugs me when people are like, don't just copy them. Let's like, well, there's not so much we can do. Part of, part you know, of art like, is copying, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Well, it's like they say good artists copy ideas and great artists steal them. <laughs> not, and, you know, but this church is we're not, we're not telling anybody to steal anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, a, a little peek behind the veil because we've worked with some of these really larger organizations you know we've done stuff with hillsong and then of course coming from res life that has an internationally uh televised um program um and then we've worked with some other people i don't know who all we can say but anyways i just you know we've, we've worked with some people and there are entire dedicated budgets um to just this there are people that give specifically just to these and the majority of these larger ones are also putting out full-on television programs um, that are nationally and internationally syndicated and so what we get online oftentimes is just a um, just another channel for them honestly you know um, it just gets to another audience by using that so they already have the infrastructure in place to uphold that sort of online presence that right. we see. And so I think the copycat side of it is frustrating. If you're a smaller church and you do have, you know, if you're lucky that one person right. <laughs> and, and trying to pull off what these other places are playing off. Why don't we have this? Why don't we have three different angles of the drums and, you know, and up the right. nose angle of the finger as well as a through the ear <laughs> angle. I mean, like, why do we have all these different angles? Um, I, uh, but some, when it comes to copycatting ideas, I have to go back to his first placard that he put up there where he asked, does it fit the our vision and our mission? If you see another church do something and it is still preaching the word of God, it is still delivering the message of, of Christ, um, and you can put that against you know what they did up against next to i shouldn't say up against but next to your vision and Mm -hmm. it does line up and it's much more easily obtainable to say okay you know what this not only does this line up with our vision but um this will i think this will really speak to our congregation because you do have to think about that like uh you can't advertise things the same way in every country um now we know that from you know the Word of Faith broadcast had to be edited different for different countries as well. Like you, you can't just put the same content in the same places. Uh, some places it's because they don't let you. Others is because they don't understand it the same way, and so you have to like choose right. how you do it. But if you if you're looking at that and you're like, you know what this this idea I really do believe is going to speak strongly to our congregation just as well as it as it spoke to theirs. Um, you know, then then why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> yeah i mean and, yeah and so, some of that also you know comes down to you know the whole idea of not copying it's like well yeah like i don't want to see bethel go oh i really like what elevation is doing so like let's just completely like do the exact same thing because we have the same amount of budget yeah. like there's an obvious like well duh like we don't want to see that but it's like for someone who goes okay well i'm a volunteer 
and I have to do stage design, cameras, editing, coloring. Like I have to do everything, you know, mm -hmm. it's like maybe like where you start is by going, well, I really like the shot that elevation does. So they try to mimic that shot because it looks really cool. Like, cool. Like that, I don't have a problem with that. And like, I don't know. It just, I feel so like it's like education for yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I think that the problem I have with that uh, ultimately is it's not that I think he's wrong, but I think that it's just kind of like a, you're telling a lot of people that don't know what else to do because they don't have any education and they don't like most of these people are working full-time jobs and they're just trying to fill in this time. And the best way for them to fill it in and make sure that it's not like crappy is to just copy what they're seeing online. And that maybe that is elevation. Maybe that is Bethel. Maybe it is Hillsong, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think back to like when me and you were working full-time at res and it's like, we were full-time, but like, that stuff wasn't our full-time responsibility. We had events that we were running. We had planning for events. We had online content that we were creating. We had, you know, maintenance and stuff like that. You know, so it was like sometimes it was just like, oh, well, it, it is time for a new stage design. Okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, I really liked what this church did over here. Let's do something similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, type thing. Yeah, you know, th this work, it, it worked. I yeah, uh, it, it's it's also funny to hear this coming from a person who creates templated things for churches to use. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And I can't say that I don't like this guy. I have used his stuff. I like Brady. Um, yeah. And and he's even done our church's announcements in the past. So uh, we we tried. They did a thing where you know, they would uh, pro church announcements. Maybe okay. For you, um, there was a time where we were working on a much bigger project, and we were like, "Well, th these announcements still need to be done, but we don't have time." <laughs> and so we went through. The funnier thing was, uh, not all of their talent is so good at not saying things like a boot. <laughs> yes. Okay. I didn't realize that that was these guys. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. These guys. Remember? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was gone already, but like yeah. I, I popped in and you showed me these these video announcements and yeah. you're like, look, they keep saying a boot. <laughs> so you can go ahead and reach us at our email and we'll tell you all about it. You know, I I mean I'm over I'm overemphasizing it, you know. I, it's a little more like if, if anybody out there listening to this watches Peter McKinnon's stuff, you know, it's that it's more of a subtle Oh yeah. A boot. I, I can't even say it more subtly, a boot. It's like for me, it's my word. What's what are you teasing for? You know, butternut, butternut, uh, a boot, a, about. I, I don't know. Whatever. Now, now the word makes no sense to me. I just said it too many times. But anyway, okay. yeah. And, right, and cool. so it was. It was. It was obvious for uh, people to go. I know we're a rather large church, and we do have, you know, a good amount of diversity. But I don't remember there being any very Canadian people. Like, this is this is different, you know. Or maybe they're from the UP, you know, the Upper Peninsula. I don't know, but anyways, uh, yeah. Being that they create content for churches to template, or they templates for churches to use it, it's kind of funny to hear that particular copycat comment. But yeah, uh, okay. let's see what the rest of this is about. <laughs> Three big problems with live streaming as we currently do it, and to be clear. 
when I use the word live streaming, I'm defining that term, how we use it in the church world, taking our in-person weekend services and rebroadcasting on the internet. So three big problems. These problems can be reconciled, but only if they're mindfully considered. You need to really evaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it. So let's start with problem number one. Problem number one, live streaming conditions your congregation to be passive spectators, not active participants. Now, for some church leaders, this manifests in the fear that if they live stream their services, people will be less likely to attend in person. And that is something worth considering, I think. But the issue here that I want to articulate is much broader in scope, actually. And the place that we need to start here is asking ourselves the question, how do we measure effectiveness in our churches. I've already said my North Star for making decisions is effectiveness. How does that actually get measured? So we'll start here. In my experience, and as my degree in theology understands it, every Christ-following church exists to help people love God, love others, and make disciples. These are the three objectives of every church. Now, where do these come from? Directly from Jesus, because it's from the Great Commission and the greatest commandments that our churches find much of their purpose. And yeah, sure, we may phrase it differently, right? But we all have the same target at the end of the day. Now, this existential mission is admittedly difficult to measure. So the way I've always taught to do it is through next steps. Let's revisit that mission of our churches for a moment. We exist to help people love God, love others, make disciples. Each of those objectives begins with a verb. And a verb demands action. You can't love God passively. You can't love people passively. You definitely cannot make disciples passively, which is why everything you and I do in our churches boils down to just two words, steps. Because without steps, all you have is the congregation of passive spectators. And I don't know about you, but I want a church full of active participants, not spectators just taking up space. Now, if you want to learn more about next steps and what I call the new rules for church growth, I've got a full written guide on this. I'll link it in the description for more in-depth reading and exploration. But to answer that question from earlier, how do we measure effectiveness in our churches? My answer is next steps. It's our best, most accurate, most reliable tool of measurement. And what is the next step? Well, it's any action a person takes towards loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Here are a few examples of that. A commitment to follow Christ. Baptism joining and attending a small group, committing to pray for another or submitting a prayer request yourself, serving as a volunteer in ministry, attending church services and events, taking communion. These are just a few that are universal to almost every church, but each church often has a few that are unique to their own community as well. So for me, anytime I evaluate a strategic decision in church, I measure it against next steps. Will this spur on more next steps in our church or might it further perpetuate one of the great illnesses we have in the Western church, passivity, and conditioning folks to just be consumers of church programming and content. Now, can a church live stream propel folks toward next steps? Absolutely. But this gets back to what I said about mindfully making these evaluations and knowing how to actually measure effectiveness. Because the thing is, for most churches, the motivation to live stream is rooted in how they measure effectiveness. It's just that most churches measure their effectiveness by counting how many people attend a service. And so for those that are traveling, for those that are bedridden, for those that are locked down at home, a live stream service, it's a sensible replication of what matters most to churches. 
And look, I get it. Life change is difficult to quantify, which is why for decades we've used attendance as a barometer for it. But here's the thing. At its best, attendance is an ancillary tool of measurement because it's one step removed from what we're truly trying to accomplish, right? Because showing up for a service doesn't constitute life change. And it's this elevation of the attendance metric that for me is so much of the root of this issue. Because attendance is not a reliable metric for measuring effectiveness in our churches. Attendance, it only cares about external growth. Church attendance can only tell you if more people are attending your Sunday service this year compared to last year. This week compared to last week, in no way can church attendance offer any insight into internal growth at your church. Are the people already attending becoming more like Jesus? Church attendance can't measure that, which is why we need a new tool for measurement. And that's where Next Steps comes in. And now with that new tool of measurement, we can mindfully ask ourselves, does this live stream spur on more active participation or does it spur on more passivity and treating church just like another program on Netflix to be consumed? And if we do decide to stick with live streaming, what changes can we make so that it becomes a catalyst for next steps and not an impediment? This brings us to the second problem. with. All right, so let's pause there. Go ahead. Oh, I lost your mic. No. That's because oh, I muted it so you guys wouldn't hear me clear my throat and take a drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that part. <laughs> oh, man. You know what's funny is I'm always the other person on the set when we're doing like pre-production and stuff. I'm always the other person going, I can't hear you. You're on mute. Hey, you're on mute. <laughs> Friend of ours got us t-shirts that actually have just the mic symbol with a line through it. Just says you're on mute. <laughs> That's awesome. uh, anyways, that aside, uh, have you taken the next steps program? Do you know what he's referring to? Um, I have not. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm sitting in a, in, in in a commercial right now, like an infomercial right now. Yeah, I've taken uh, I've taken the next steps program uh, a couple different times because I ran tech for a couple of them, and I actually like attended uh, one myself. Um, actually, Jana and I both. Um, Wait, no, we did next steps at Res, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, so then, yeah. We did it as we did it as a staff, and we could do it with our spouses, and we could do you know that yeah. kind of stuff. And, yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, next steps. Um, is it is like next steps? Is that his program? I don't know if it's his, but I'm kind of wondering, like, is if it, I don't know if it's his program or not, but certainly all of the exact same verbiage, obviously the same title, yeah. Um, talking about these metrics and these different things and stuff like that. So I, I sort of feel like I'm just watching uh, an infomercial for next step. I mean, I, I, I can't have a major disagreement with too much. <laughs> Said so far, but you know, I yeah, I was gonna say I can't argue with what he's saying, and I know that, like for instance, uh, John Maxwell's, I think it's, I think it's John Maxwell's organization, the way that they measure church size isn't by attendance anymore; uh, mm. they measure it by giving. Mm. Um, so, and I'm trying to remember because uh, a friend of mine is a, as in uh, as in gifts received or giving, like what goes out the door, gifts received. Um, so the way that they, I'm trying to remember exactly how it is. So if I screw this up, like, don't, don't hold me to it. Um, but they have, a you. I'm calling John. <laughs> they, they have a metric that, you know, 
you know, specific amount of dollars equal equates to like a person as like part of your congregation. And so when you have a specific amount of money that comes in, they can kind of look at that and show it's either that or they're actually looking at the people that are giving and saying, you have 4,000 people that are giving. So you have an attendant, you know, like you have a congregation of about 4,000 people or something along those lines. And the reason why they say that, if I'm, and again, I'm trying to remember, um, is if you're giving to the church, you're committed or something like that. Sorry, say that again. I said we'll have to print a retraction next week once we find out what it really is. <laughs> no, that's ca- caveats here. That's why I'm like, uh, right, sure. right, right. But it's uh, along the lines of like that you're committed. You're not just there. You're not just going through motions. Like you're actually like you're donating to the church, like you're tithing, like you're involved type thought process. Um, so you're not just counting butts and seats. You're, you're counting active participants kind of thing, right? Correct. So I don't know. I don't think that that's like a dollar figure. I think it's just like, they look at, you know, if you have a hundred people that are tithing, then, you know, you have a hundred people that you would say, you know, type thought process. I think now that I'm thinking about that, that's the way it went. Um, so I think that that's an interesting metric to be able to like see how many people you have. You know, I remember having conversations with people at Res all the time and they're all, you know, and there was, you know, with any church, you know, run by humans, it's easy to find something that's wrong with church. Um, and, you know, some people were like, man, it just feels like we're just all about the numbers. Like we're just about the numbers. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And I'm like, well, there's a level of like the numbers do really matter. Like we're trying to reach as many people as possible. So it's like, if we're a church of 7,000 people, then all of a sudden we're 2000 people. Like, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> you know, type thought process. Um, so yeah, I, it's not only about the numbers, but it is about the numbers. Um, I like what he said though, is like the next steps, like how do you measure for your online content of people are like moving forward. And I think that I don't know how you do that online. Like if you raised your hand and, you know, gave your life to Christ today, smash the like button, you know, <laughs> like cool. <laughs> share and subscribe. Like share and subscribe. Come on. Yeah. Cause like there's, there's part of me, like I look at my friend Mike's church out in, in New York and mm-hmm. like the more I listen to him, like he, they have people from all over the country that are watching them online, mm. like because of the type of content that they start creating. You help them uh, update their live stream stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like the idea is, how do you, you know, if you're in New York and you have someone that's in Nebraska watching you, they can't come in and do something. I guess you could do like, and this is where I think I come, I come full circle to my belief about the church online and that just live streaming is silly and that you need to create content and we need to have more people creating content for the church mm-hmm. online. Because I think that a next steps class online, Hey, we're doing a next steps online. It's going to be Tuesday night at 8 PM, you know, Make sure you join our Zoom, you know, or our YouTube channel for the next steps thing. And it's yeah. like when you have 300 people on your live stream and 20 of them show up for next steps, you know, 
that's a metrics that, you know, a metric that you can handle, you know, and then it's like getting them to get involved and create content for themselves that the church is tagged in about, you know, their journey or something that they're doing. I think those are, you know, good metrics that you can actually like put your thumb on, you know, like, you know, at res, like they used to do at the end of the year, like how many people got baptized in the year, how many people, you know, raise their hand during altar calls, you know? So it's like, you know, we saw 2000 people give their life to Christ this year. Like that's a good metric, you know, to like have, but it's like, how do you do that online? You know, especially in this world, I hate that he downplays just consuming content like Netflix, because I think a, I think that that is, and correct me if you think this is wrong. I think that that is a false statement because just consuming content on Netflix is like, we're just mindful, you know, zombie consuming things. I know that when Tiger King came out, like everyone talked about Tiger King. Like when Walking Dead was in its prime and people were watching that, I remember being at church and having like the five guys that every, you know, week right after the episode would play. We Did you watch? Did you watch? Yeah. Okay. So I remember I think- be like, wait, Chuck, don't say anything. Wait, hold on. Hold on, Chuck. Hold on. I know I'm a bad person. I didn't catch up. Hold on. You oh, got, I miss him. You got forty eight you got forty eight hours to watch that show. Yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you better you better get to it, son. <laughs> people get excited about content that they're consuming. And like mm-hmm. that's why these platforms are the way that they are. And like, you know, did you watch the new Mandalorian episode? Did you watch the new, you know, whatever, you know, thing on it's Disney Plus? Like, Boba Fett now, but um but you know what I'm saying. Like I'm not those, as into it as I was the man. <laughs> but those type of things are I don't know, man. Like I get excited when you know when you you know how many times did I reach out to you and go, Hey, did you watch Peter McKinnon's new video today? Yeah. You know, I think we like, do that kind of stuff to each other all the time. It's like, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, did you did you check this out? Someone just dropped a tooth bomb on on tech. Yeah. You know. Same thing with a message. Like, hey, uh this just opened my eyes to something you know yeah i I need to share this with you i think it's really tough because you know church either has to be run like a business or not run like a business and and that's sort of a i don't know maybe a sad crux to have to to sit in there you know that rock in a hard place if you will Mm -hmm. um but i think that the true spreading of, of the gospel most, most oftentimes happens through relationship, right? You establish a relationship with somebody and you talk and you do these things. And most oftentimes you don't know if there's been a life change in somebody, um, especially if it's kind of that apostolic style, you're, you're in their life for a moment or, or like, you know, me having toured in a band for a number of years, it's like uh, you have this time with, with people, two hours, maybe four if it's a larger event, maybe even, maybe even a day or two, if it's like the, the festival season, you're doing the outdoor yeah. festivals um, and then you're gone and you don't know. The, to me, this is, I, I kind of equate that to like the, the real life version of streaming, right? Mm-hmm. You're there. You may not even have an actual conversation with this person. Maybe you do. That's cool when that happens, but you don't always, and then you're gone. And you don't know what went in. You just know that you did what God called you to do. Right. They were there. 
and if there was something for for them to hear you know god's gonna do his job holy spirit's still gonna do his job nothing's getting in the way of that that's that's gonna happen you know we did our part um it's the same kind of thing i guess that bugs me when we talk about metrics for churches and how you judge somebody's commitment to something through these different things, especially because we're still looking and only able to account for physical things. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. None of that, none of these metrics um, are truly indicative of inward change. We, Mm -hmm. We would like to say they are, and and we can say, well, you know, a person wouldn't get baptized if there wasn't truly a change on the inside. <laughs> yeah, I know people who have done it to impress a girl or to uh, get a position on staff at the church. You, were you one of those? <laughs> no, no, I, I got baptized when I was like 12 because that's what you did. Yeah, it was your turn, It, it you know. This is what you do at that. At I that was the age. only, yeah, I was the only person in my family that wasn't baptized at that point. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I, I guess I'm 12. I should probably, you know, I should probably get baptized. Yeah. Um, and the, and, then, and the, the idea of doing things, we, we love Christ because he first loved us, right? He pours out on in into us. And then in turn, if we're preaching Christ's love and we're preaching this life-changing message, right? Christ, nothing added. Here he is. Here's him. Here's his love. Here's his grace. We develop that love inside of us. And out of that comes this compulsion, this, this want to do. Right. Right. Now I want to do. And so, yeah, there can very well be physical and, and seen and tangible sense of someone's inward change. But measuring the success of a church should just be, are you fulfilling the Great Commission? Are you doing what Christ asked you to get out there and do? Are you right. sharing his love? Are you loving other people? Are you actually getting out there and going and sitting down in a bar with people to be yeah. where they are? No? Okay, you're not very successful. Right. So let me say this. After this first problem that he's talked about, my mm-hmm. thing is is that he makes the mention about the guy that has a home church and they want to know where the live stream is. I think he's using that as a straw man argument because I think that he's right. I think that someone that's doing a home church that has 10 people in their house doesn't need a live stream. Could they mm-hmm. live stream? Could they throw their phone up on a small little tripod and go live on Facebook? Yeah, totally. But that guy could that that home church could do what we're doing with YouTube right now. Sitting in front of the camera, hit record, you know, edit something really quick on DaVinci, you know, that's free, and be able to post it. And it could be an hour mm-hmm. long because that's they're yeah. like, hey, I'm gonna talk to my message, you know, that I, that I'm gonna be giving in my home church. And then I'm gonna hit record, I'm gonna edit that throughout the week, then I'm gonna give my actual message at the home church, and I'm gonna go, you know, post the video the same day. You know, and it's like, we're home church. I'm, I'm glad you brought some clarification. So uh, the way that I heard that, or apparently didn't hear it, what I heard of it, <laughs> um, was uh, getting together in a home. And maybe it's because I've, I've, I've done this before, getting together as a home church and watching a live stream. Um, 
hmm. in this. And to me, that's kind of like the people you're talking about. Like if you're in Kansas, but you're you're bringing in that live stream from New York, from your friends in New York. You know, like we're gathering together. This is really good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm not preaching it, but we gather together and we watch the the New York church's live stream kind of thing. Right. That's that's what that's I was thinking. Different. But, so the way he the yeah. way he described this was that there's a guy that has a home church and people are asking him why, where his live stream is. Got you. Cool. Yeah. So I totally misheard yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. All right, let's keep going on this. What's this podcast Live about? Again? It's <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> What's this video about again? I, I think I, no. We're good. Different <laughs> form. Problem number two: Church live streaming takes the place of more effective digital strategies, and this happens because the cost of live streaming is high, very often ongoing. Now, if you've watched some of my older videos that critique live streaming, one of my main points in years past has been the prohibitive cost to doing live streaming well, which is a massive hurdle for smaller churches dealing with smaller budgets much of the time. Today, though, live streaming gear, it's a lot more accessible. Live streaming can be done for a reasonable cost in many cases. The thing is, very rarely is a church satisfied with their live streaming setup. There's always a better camera to buy, a more capable switcher to upgrade to, a more inventive camera angle to install. You can spend $1,000 to set up a live stream, $10,000, $100,000. I know a church sourcing a single broadcast lens right now that's in the six-figure range on its own. And the thing is, once you've started live streaming and it's been established as a core ministry, it will often continue to eat portions of the budget year over year. I see it all the time because it's not common for a church to configure their live stream setup and be fully content with it for the next decade. That is unless they shell out a ton of capital when they do the setup for the first time. Basically, you got two scenarios. Do a five to six figure live stream install all at once or do a lean install and then slowly add to it year over year, continuing to spend and spend. And one of the reasons this happens is because the live stream service becomes synonymous with church. Now, in practice, here's what this looks like. You can approach the decision makers in your church with a Facebook ads proposal, let's say, with the intent of connecting new families to your church. All things being equal, expect that proposal to face more resistance than a proposal with an identical cost, but for live streaming because of the ubiquity of live streaming in church. But monetary cost isn't the only cost to consider either. There's also the time cost that comes from the camera operators the person working the switcher, not to mention the pre and post-production needs. These are gonna be different for every church. And then most importantly for me anyway, there's the ministry cost. And what I mean by that is a live stream will very often satiate the digital appetite for most churches. So let's say you do a live stream on the weekends. It gets broadcast on Facebook, gets posted to YouTube on demand after that. For many churches, that's gonna make up the majority of their presence online and on social. Now you might push back and say, well, Brady, why not just do both? Just because we're live streaming doesn't mean we're held back from doing other things as well. But the simple truth here is that resources are not unlimited. Time is not unlimited. Budget is not unlimited. And if you have a chunk of your resources tied up in a live stream, well, invariably, you won't have those resources for other digital endeavors. And if you're curious what I would recommend before a live stream that I think could be more effective at driving next steps in your church, Here's one, and here's one, and here's one, and here's one, and here's one. Where's DJ Khaled when you need him? Another one. Truthfully, live streaming in its current form would be near the bottom 
when it comes to fulfillment of church mission, effectiveness, and how well we're stewarding our finances. Those examples I just shared are just a few, but this channel is dedicated to sharing practical strategies for navigating the biggest communication shift in 500 years. And they may not always be the most popular videos on this channel with the most views, but there are more than 500 videos to explore. So make sure to subscribe, turn on notifications, go through the catalog. I've got a playlist called Start Here. Okay, you're muted again. <laughs> I thought we were on a commercial break now. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't blame him. This is his YouTube channel, so <laughs> it, it, it is. And and now you can watch stuff on how to copy other stuff. I <laughs> sorry to take it back to that one. I think that. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny, like how you can watch something one time and go, "Oh my gosh, he's totally right," and then like you take a couple minutes and like you break it down, and then like all I want to do is say that he's wrong, 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 and not completely wrong. Like uh, the whole idea, like me, because I'm in a church <laughs> that is small. We don't pay our our staff, you know, like because it's it's a portable church, like. There's some people that we pay, you know, specifically to like make sure roles are filled. But like we show up on Sunday mornings, we set cameras up, we live stream, like we plug things in. Yeah. The amount of effort and time, like, like we're not, no one, if we weren't live streaming, it's not like those guys would then all of a sudden be making content during the week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think like what what you guys are doing and what I've seen a lot of other churches do, um, live streaming in and of itself is not expensive. Production is expensive. Right. And if your live stream is what I feel like live stream should be, um, which is just a window into what your church is doing. Right. You know, your church is having a service and and somebody can get online and see it happening. Right. Um, it doesn't have to have a whole lot of production and, and all that kind of stuff for the simplest form of it, especially if it's like, well, you know, we've got people that are maybe differently abled or they are um, – in a retirement home or something and, and they don't always have busing service or somebody can't always pick them up, whatever the situation may be that keeps them from getting to the, the building that we call a church. Mm -hmm. um, it really just needs to be a window on the service, not a production that the service is built around. Right. If it's a production that the service is built around and it becomes this huge thing and it's not because there's some big TV ministry idea or something like that, uh, behind it, then it certainly gets very expensive and it can be unattainable and it can be taxing and cause a lot of arguments and strife and all kinds mm -hmm. of really gross things to, to ensue. But remember, um, he's talking to churches of 350 or less in this video. Yeah. So a lot of times, I mean, I've seen some really bad live streams from churches of 350 or less. I mean, I agree. I mean, our well, like my church's live stream wasn't super great to begin with. You know, like the message portion was the only part that was like done 
you know decently well. Yeah. Um, just but I just it all. concentrate on audio first, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I just argue the point of like ninety nine point nine percent of these churches, like if like his argument is that it's expensive, and when you could be doing that with you know, like he said, here's a video of like create a reel and create this. It's like those guys mm-hmm. on Sunday morning, if they just stopped live streaming altogether, like that's those volunteers aren't just gonna be like, let's create reels. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I mean, am I wrong in feeling that because way? Because I because I do work with, um, you know, creative communications and strategic communications, you know, um, type of thing. He he's not wrong that from if you're looking at this as a way to advertise your church. Because mm-hmm. sadly, that is the way it's looked at by church. A lot of churches, I should mm-hmm. say all churches. Yeah. Um, then there are definitely much more effective places to put your money. If that's your goal is to advertise your church. You, you do need to be in front of people more and you need much more effective bite-sized chunks. I mean, that's one thing you've you brought up elevation. They have the, the clips and the snippets and the things that they put out there and they're making and generating more content. Um, and, and let's not forget, the, you know, viewership is much higher for people who are sitting down and talking like this to you. They're like, you know, Hey, what's up everybody. I just want to talk to you today real quick about something that I experienced in my life where I went with something, you know, yada, 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 go through the whole thing and and give you some kind of key that's going to help unlock something in your life that has more viewership than watching a service, regardless of the amount of production that goes into it. Don't, don't, don't disagree. I've got a video on my channel, uh, that is talking about like, how you know pastor create like writes a sermon you're telling me that what he that he has time on sunday morning to give every single thought that he has on that sermon no yeah he totally (laughs) has more so yeah why is pastor not on monday morning sitting down with this thing that he has in his pocket on a small little adbd tripod doesn't need an external microphone or anything and hits record, you know, or go hits go live, yeah. and goes, hey, I wanted to follow up with from my message yesterday. If you didn't get a chance to see it, check it out. You know, the links in the description, and then yeah. spend 10, 50 minutes or an hour, you know, giving more detail. Or the youth pastor, because you know, if you're a three hundred fifty person church, you most likely have at least two pastors on staff. You know, mm-hmm. you may have an intern. You know, like. I am a firm believer that the church itself is not creating enough content that is social media platform driven. But like mm-hmm. you said, as an advertisement, you have people that are making reels and all these kind of things for elevation, which is why we see them so much. But where is that content being created? Steven's not, going, yeah, no. Steven's not going into a studio. That's a Sunday morning sermon. That's all he does outside yeah. of like a handful of special things. So if you've got those cameras and stuff set up, you might as well be live streaming like the extra mm-hmm. additional to like get an ATEM and get a computer that's going to, you know, run OBS on it is not that much different. And I think that that's my argument here is that like he's he's giving you a reason to not live stream because you're spending so much money. But it's like in order to do all the other things that he's talking about doing, you have to spend the same amount of money. And honestly, like we were stream we were streaming off of GH5s. A lot of people are streaming off pocket cameras because they have HDMI outs on them. Mm-hmm. You can use those to sit up in a studio 
to get this type of content. Like I'm on a GH5 right now. You're on a GH5 right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just one of those things. I think I think that that's where I'm starting to get kind of frustrated with this guy. Uh, now that like, we're talking about this, like, <laughs> he, in my opinion, now this video is making me feel like he's just you know kind of crapping on everyone and making everyone feel bad that they're live streaming. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know if I pick up on that as as much as I pick up on, um, or or would like to just say, the, the we really just needed to stop. Like the video could have been done after saying you got to look at your church's vision and mission and does it line up? Right. I mean, we are. Well, if it does, dude, we're ha- we're we're only like halfway through this. Just a little over halfway yeah. through it. And if it lines up. And everybody's in agreement, and and you have you know reason to do it. Then, all right, yeah, yeah, do it. But it doesn't have to be. I, I think the the bigger thing is, does every church need a produced? Does every small church need a produced? Right there. No. You do need to make sure, for crying out loud, please, you do need to make sure that you're getting good audio. Right. Because people will suffer through bad video before they'll suffer through bad audio. 100%. But if your audio is just, you can't understand it, then <laughs> then it's just, I mean, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then what good is it anyways? We're supposed to be spreading the good news of Jesus, and everybody's <laughs> like, Huh? 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 What? Hello. <laughs> um. Okay. But yeah. It, let's, yeah. Let's, let's let's burn through the rest of this. It's a compilation of some of the best stuff to talk yeah. about. The third and final problem. Final problem number three. Problem number three: Live streaming perpetuates the homogenization of church. That might sound complicated. Nope. Let me show you a couple real examples. Oh, like, I thought you were saying. Like, like <laughs> homogenized. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were wanting me to pause it. Examples of what this looks like. Back to the original DM I shared in the intro from a pastor. Quote, I'm doing a church plant out of my house, and I always get asked where my live stream is. He's doing home church, presumably in his living room or kitchen or dining room. And people are saying, where is the live stream? That mentality is the direct response to a single expression of church being the near-exclusive expression of church in the West. The man can't meet in his home without people calling for an ATEM switcher that's hooked into OBS. Or you have a lot of people that want to be a part. (laughs) Or you have a bunch of people that want to be a part of it and can't make it to his house every Monday night and want to be able to watch it from work or from road or from home. I mean, that's the thing is that, like, I... And I think that, and maybe he will say something about this, but I have, you know, my kids' school, they do these, like, random events of, you know, like, we did a a prayer dedication for a new, like, because my kids go to Christian school, prayer and dedication for a new, like, auditorium, gymnasium thing, um, and we were going to live stream it. And then they decided not to live stream it, and I was like, well, I was like, there's, you know, because they wanted people in the building, like, mm. coming together. And I was like, yeah, but I'm like, the people that are going to come are going to come regardless if it's live stream or not. The people that are going to watch on live stream are just not going to come. That's just the reality yeah. of how people are. 
And I'm so you're like, going to get more people, or you're going to get the same amount of people, but you're it, not going to get <laughs> less. Exactly. And they were like, ah, we're just not going to live stream it. And I was like, okay. And they're like, but can we film it? And then we'll post it later. I was like, sure. So I filmed the whole thing. It was about 38 minutes long. I posted it on their YouTube channel. It has 209 views. Nice. The average duration is 22 minutes of a 38-minute yeah. thing, which means <laughs> that there was yeah. a lot of people that didn't come in person that would have probably watched online. And now yeah. that I have that data, they're like, okay, let's talk about live streaming in the future. You know, because yeah. I'm like, there's yeah. just a reality of this. Like, there's just people that want to go to the events, and then there's people that don't want to go to the events. Mm-hmm. Like, take COVID out of this. Like, if COVID didn't exist and people weren't afraid to gather, how often did you go to those type of events? Like, I go to, like, 50-50, you know? Yes. You know, and it's just like... A, it's a, a, less social, man. It's just not in them. They, they, you know, if anything, this has allowed people to be a part of things that they never would have been a part of before. Because exactly. they just don't, you know, whether they have... Um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but the phobia of, of people, you know, and yeah. having those interactions. Uh, another thing kind of struck me too. He said, presumably, well, presuming is the same as assuming. And you know how that saying goes. <laughs> when you assume, right. You make a, a tushy out of it or something like that. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. We can get back into this guy. Well, but well, yeah, you know, I mean, our friend Elijah um, Knuckles has always come up with some really good ideas for some church stuff. And one of the things that he was looking at doing, which I think is a, a grand idea and he should totally get into it is uh, it's, it's kind of like a home church, but it is live streamed because it's aimed specifically for those people working third shift mm -hmm. and actually going somewhere or getting into somewhere and doing that kind of thing is much more difficult. And so it's sort of a podcast slash live stream type of home church kind of environment for these people to still be able to have involvement and stuff. And so I think it's just a good example of where it totally works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that the idea of like this saying here that he has, you know, without calling for an A-10 switch or hooking into OBS, it's like, you just said, it's a guy in his house with 10 people. Like you can't live stream with just a phone at that point. Yeah. Why not? I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying he has to live stream for his home church, but I'm just saying, like, you're making it sound like he has to buy all this equipment. And it's like, you can live stream right off of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's 2022. Come on. Let's look at some more examples of this mentality. These are comments from my video on live streaming being overrated. David said, quote, if most guests are checking churches out online before coming for a service, how can something be overrated? if online seems to be the new front porch experience for people. Now see, this comment assumes that live streaming and being online are the same thing. If we're not live streaming, how can we be online? To answer this question directly, create a church welcome video made specifically for guests. You make it once, you use it for a year or two, it's targeted to- That's completely different from what that comment was talking about. Am I wrong in feeling that way? You're muted again. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing that when we, uh, as we watch stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, I haven't heard his whole answer yet, but so far I, I don't feel like we've answered the actual question. But Yeah, but I mean, creating a welcome video that you can use for a year or two, like the, the comment was about like, it's the front porch, like people want to be able to see what your church is about. 
Like you know the the front front door conversation. It's funny he says front porch because I always hear to it referred to as the front door to your business or mm-hmm. your um your digital domain, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's been, you know, if your church doesn't have a website, you know, because the website is the new thing. Oh, if your church doesn't have a MySpace, mm-hmm. right? That was the front door at one point. And then Facebook. Oh, if you don't have a YouTube presence or or whatever. I don't know. It's a pendulum as well. And, and a welcome video aimed for visitors is good for the people that are actively seeking out a church and you have a good web presence and then they go there and they're interested enough after easy usability on the site to actually click on a user welcome video. Um, you know, but it, it is not a service and a right. service is truly experiencing more like, okay, you know, well, you know, we don't really believe in this per- particular type of thing. And I'm glad that we saw service online so that we didn't go and then be the weird people that are like sneaking out the back door in the middle of the, you know, but I, I look at it like this is like the service is the ice cream, you know, and then the welcome video is like a topping, like it's an extra bonus thing. Like, if you know it could be anchovy flavored ice cream but if you love caramel and the topping is caramel and your welcome video is caramel and then you get there and you're like they're talking about blank 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 and i disagree with all blank blank and blank you know or the person at the front door that greeted me was a jerk unlike the person on the video you know what i'm saying like there's just like a lot of this like yeah, well, the pastor was a jerk on stage, you know, like he just kept making a bunch of sexist, racist jokes and, you know, you know, type thought process. And it's like, but the welcome video was like perfect. So well, yeah, It's a welcome video. It's made with welcoming in mind. It is, is more often than not a terrible representation of the actual things. It's oftentimes what I like to call a faith statement of the church. Exactly. exactly. We're making a faith statement. We want to be welcoming. We want to be inclusive. We want to be diverse. Look at this. We we paid this black man to walk through the background in our church so that you think that we're diverse <laughs> when we're not. It, and it reminds me, you know, there was often uh, our friend Christian, you know, six foot, 5,000. <laughs> I swear yeah. so sick of Every time I go to give him a hug, I'm like, just right in his chest. You know, that's it. That's I, that's how tall he is, but he's the black dude with dreads, man. So, I mean, I wanted him to be in videos cause he just looks cool. Cause he's got the dreads and he's so tall or whatever, but he's definitely been asked to be in videos for not even just, you know, our church, but other churches because he's black and they need it to look more diverse. <laughs> like, right. You know, then, the, then what you have is false representation and false representation is oftentimes what you get in a welcome video. Right. Uh, because you're only going to show the best parts of yourself anyways, right? So Exactly. Okay, let's go back into this. Mm-hmm. Directly to potential new families and people. So instead of just being a fly on the wall for some random service when they decide to check you out, you can show them what to expect for kids and in service. Share a snippet of the preaching. Here's where to park, where to go when you first get to the doors. Take a next step. Fill out a plan of visit form. We've got a whole video on this inspired by a church that did it. Check it out in the description. 
Here's another comment from John, quote, we are a church less than 300, but we're considering live streaming as a response to COVID-19 and a way of helping folks stay connected, even if they can't physically be here in worship. So look at what John is saying. He wants folks to stay connected to the church when there's physical distance. What? I, I want to say something to, to clarify too, when we're talking about that welcome video, if you are giving them, here's, here's how it works to do kids check in and that type of stuff. That's more of an operational welcome, right. you know, an operational welcome video type of thing, rather than what most welcome videos get turned into, which is like a, a brand video for your church. Right. And um, I'm totally all for, you know, as a parent, being able to understand if you are going to go check out a place, Hey, it'd be cool if they had a video on here. So I understand how check-in works once I get there. You know, yeah. I mean, that's I, I'm cool. I mean, I'm okay with a welcome video being created to like, like he's saying, like <clears throat> clip a pastor, clip of worship, like welcome, like what to expect. Like, that's cool. Like what, that's what I would expect to go like, see when I go to a website of church and I'm considering going there cool. There's a little video here. Okay. Hey, there's another little video that says, you know, this is how, you know, like, like you said, operational, your kid's safety is really important to us. So you're going to come in, you're going to check in, you know, these are the steps of how you're going to drop your kid off with us. Here's how we're going to protect them. And then here's how you're going to pick them up safely and how like that all works. Great. That's all cool content. But like what those comments are talking about are, like that's not the only thing that people want to know about the church. Like they want to know that what the pastor is speaking, like, do I like the way he preaches? Do I like what he preaches? Most people will watch an online service a minimum of two weeks in a row before they decide to go in person. Mm. If you don't have that, you potentially just lost someone. All right, let's, let's keep going here. Which means we've got to live stream, right? My question would be to John, are there not other ways for people to stay connected? And is watching a service from their home the ideal way for people to connect with their church family when they're physically unable? Because connecting those folks is a noble motivation for sure. Whether it's because of a global pandemic or being stationed overseas, feeling unwell, long travel for work. But what's the best way to fill that need in people's lives. You know, my co-host on our podcast, The Pro Church Tools Show, Alexander Mills, he pastors at a smaller church. And when the pandemic hit, they too wanted to connect with people when physical proximity wasn't tenable. So they picked up the phone and they called people in their church. They did on ongoing live streams, not replicating church services, but propping up mobile devices, going live from their homes directly to groups and on Facebook, taking communion together, reading scripture together, praying together, fellowshipping with one another. Because for them, that seemed effective at connecting people in their church family. More effective than simply asking them to watch worship and a message from their homes. And believe me, I am not underestimating just how disruptive what I'm suggesting is. The homogenization of church is, to me at least, a big issue. Worship, announcements, and a message that sequence of church programming is so ubiquitous with what we know and understand church to be that doing something different, not only are you going to face resistance, financially, it might not even be feasible. And that's because the longer something has been established and the more prevalent it is in a culture or a subculture, the more difficult it is to change it. And so I. So, I mean, 
I like that idea, and I think that's cool. But when you say that he pastors a smaller church, he doesn't give us the size. And this is where I, I always get frustrated when I hear about like a study that's done, you know, or something like that. And it's like, well, how many people were part of that study? You know, so it's like, cool. If you're a pastor of a small church and you have 50 members in your church and you were able to get 30 or 40 of them on a Zoom call, like, that's great. Like, that's awesome. But like, could you imagine trying to like at the height of the pandemic when we were locked down here in Michigan, if your church is 350 people, how do you do that with 350 people when you can't physically meet in person? Um, that's chaos. And, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like, whether it's Google meets or zoom or whatever, I just, you know, trying to handle all those, uh, breakouts and things like that. Um, I, I think it's a cool idea yeah. to like stay connected during the week where it's like maybe the pastor and the leadership team of that church of 350 people are like, Hey, we're going to make sure we call, you know, everyone once a week, you know, we're going to try and like between the 10 of us, we're going to call 350 people you know, throughout the week mm -hmm. to make sure that we're staying connected. Like, that's cool. Yeah. But like, again, like, I just feel like it's such a different thing than what we're talking about here. Like we're talking about our church service. Like I, I agree. We want to be in person. We want to like, I don't know. I, I, I think I just keep coming back to the, I think he's talking about two different things and he's not like connecting them. Like he's making them like you should do one or the other and not both. And it's like, I think that my opinion is different. I think that you should do both. And I think that the level that those things are done, you know, I, I, I agree with him. I don't think that someone who has 10 viewers every week should be spending 10 to 20 or 30 to $40,000 on live streaming equipment. Yeah. I just don't. I, I think, I think the thing for me is none of this has been, food for thought right and and to me that's some of the most illuminating type of videos that you could see for this type of thing to say hey you say you want to live stream i don't care what size your church is you say you want to live stream 10 people thousand people fifty thousand. you and your mom i don't care whatever right. the size is that's cool you want to do that um did you pray about it? Did you put that? Did you look at your mission and vision? Again, this is like where the video could have ended. Did you look at your mission and vision? Does this sit well with your mission and your vision? Right. And um, here's a couple of things that I've seen where it's gone right. Here's a couple of things uh, or instances rather where I've seen that maybe it didn't go so, so well. And I now leave that with you versus I'm going to preach my opinion at you. It's kind of the same idea as like, as, as ministers of the gospel, we can preach the gospel. We cannot preach our opinion. Our opinion won't hold water, especially because our opinions don't always line up no matter how much we want them to 100% with the word of God, because Sometimes we need some things to change and rearrange in our own lives. You know, there are discrepancies, right. but the, um, the word of God is the rock on which we stand. And therefore 
that is the only thing that we can actually preach. And so in this case, I guess, you know, where you're saying, you know, there's uh, fact and there's truth. I think truths just need to be shared. And, and then your decision needs to be made between, you know, you and God and, and your leadership as to whether this needs to be done. And, and then maybe giving people the alleviating thought of saying, you are not required to live stream right it is not a prerequisite for being a church maybe yeah. maybe live streaming isn't something you guys are going to end up doing you know and and if you're praying about it and you're getting the no you know this isn't the direction i have for you but you're getting outside pressure saying where's my live stream then you got to be like hey listen i i appreciate that you you really love being a part of this enough to want a live stream and to be able to do this and share this with some other people but in praying and in, in talks with our leadership and our, our vision, you know, that we have uh, here um, that we've been given, that's just not, that's not where we're going with this. Okay. Right. No, I agree. Cool. Let's, uh, let's finish this up. Applaud the churches and pastors experimenting with different expressions of church in person. We need more of that. But the digital landscape is different because it's new. And it's still in its first generation. We don't yet have a long-standing history of how churches are embracing the digital world. And so we still have the power to shape it and shape how churches will use the internet to take the good news to where the people are. The time we're living through, it's so full of opportunity and potential. And yet for most of our churches, the best thing we have to offer online is taking our in-person services and broadcasting them as is. The homogenization of church, not only does it exist in person, it has now extended online. We are not innovating. We're not taking risks. We're not even mindfully thinking through our strategic decisions in most cases, but instead settling for copying what the sliver of highly influential churches are doing, the churches that are for the most part influential on account of a charismatic communicator or popular worship man, something that is not replicable in the everyday church, nor should it be aspired to. And I get it. We have a very narrow expression of church in the West. Virtually every church is the same. And like I said, it's not easy to change that. But to then apply that exact same expression as our ultimate offering online is that much more upsetting. Why am I even making this video? I do not expect many of you to eliminate live streaming in your church. It's not the goal here. My challenge to you though, is to mindfully evaluate why you're live streaming. Is it effective? Is it propelling your congregation to more next steps? Or is it feeding the consumer culture that's already rampant in our churches? I challenge you to mindfully consider if the cost of live streaming and the resources it demands are disallowing your church from exploring the vast landscape of digital and social and all the opportunity that exists there. Because you might say something like, you know, well, live streaming works for us, Brady. We had a family find us online and commit their life to Jesus. And look, praise God for that. I'd ask you though, okay, live streaming worked but compared to what? You got from destination A to B there, but what if I told you there was a faster route? You'd still get from destination A to B, but it would be faster, cost less gas. You could take more people with you. I also encourage you to explore all of the resources we've included in the description. Videos on how to enhance a live stream service to propel more next steps. Videos on alternative digital strategies that can take the place or be done in addition to a live stream all right, so I'm gonna wrap that up. But he's just kind of like repeating himself. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to like just like repeat ourselves. You're muted. Um, 
You're muted. Told you I'd do that every time we play the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, that was weird when it shifted to the. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ooh. Change this up a little bit now. Um. He said a lot of. We all just. We do this. We're blah, blah, blah. Um, and we need to. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of, I mean, you learn in communications. It's just kind of like the, the worst way to pose a, a point versus posing the question. And, and I kind of alluded to this, but then, he, he, you know, it came up even more uh, just with the idea of saying we're perpetuating this issue. We're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of makes it seem like we can create the idea that we all suck at this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't believe that that's Brady's heart. I, I don't think he would make some of the stuff that he makes and puts out there if that was, you know, Agreed. so I, I still think he's, he's got a good uh, heart for the thing. Um, and, and he did make some really good points. It just, unfortunately um, communicated poorly. Uh, yeah, and I think that my biggest thing is like it's not not that I disagree with most of what he's saying. I just I don't like that it, like you said, he communicated in a like stop doing this other thing, and do this other thing, but then he didn't really actually show us how to do any of the things. He just told us what the problem with live streaming was, which I mean is I kind of get that because like the whole point of the video is like I don't like live streaming. And then he mm -hmm. pointed you to the other videos he's made about like what he wants you to do. So I get that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell that his heart is, is good, you know, and that it's, it's there to not, I don't think he was intentionally trying to like drag people down or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. I did get a little fired up, you know, there just cause it's like, felt like it was like, like you said, bad communication can, can make things come across poorly. Yeah. Yep. It was, you know, a good idea. Um, just, just posed wrong. And, and uh, that, you know, he, he did say some stuff in the air that just, or in the end there that kind of just brought me back to just start with that first bit that you, Hey, pray about it. Yeah. No, should I think we, should we live stream. I don't know. If you're coming to me and saying, hey, should our church live stream? Ultimately, I can't give you a yes or no. I mean, uh, but I can I can say, hey, have you prayed about it? Have you considered? And those are the way the way that you pose this conversation. Have you considered this? You know, yeah. and how about this? You know, have you considered these these things? And you make your decision from there. Yeah. I think the funny thing is, is that most of what he talks about in this video is what I talked about in my like wise church and on YouTube type thing. And I think mm -hmm. that it's just important that we don't tell people that they shouldn't do something, you know, yeah. like if he would have came out and like this video would have been, Hey, you know, I think there's like some alternatives. Like before you just start live streaming, you know, like 
make sure that you consider everything, you know, like maybe, cause like there was a lot of churches that I know that I was doing integrations with um, that were during the pandemic cause they weren't live streaming before and they were pre pre taping everything, editing it. And then they were, you know, simulating a live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and as live type of, yeah. Right. You know, so it was like, for all the people at home knew they were live, but you know, it was actually pre-recorded and edited. So TV show style, like broadcast. Yeah. And I like that idea. I do. And I think that for some people, I think that makes sense to do that. Like you got one person on a camera that's recording and like, that's all you can handle. And then that one person takes that home, you know, slaps some cool effects, you know, color corrects it, whatever. And then like post it online. I don't think that's a bad option, but yeah, this idea that like live streaming is a bad idea, I think is, is dangerous. And I think like you said, I think, you know, I look at churches that, you know, popped up <clears throat> in the middle of cornfields, you know, because God told yeah. someone to start a church there. And you know, now there are 4,000 people and they're literally in the middle of nowhere. And, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that's like maybe the home church, you know, like maybe God wants that church to be an online church and that church will never be more than 10 people in person, but it'll be thousands of people online, you know, or millions or whatever. So uh, I think that there's some of America that could benefit from seeing church happening in a home because church isn't, that we've talked about for sure. Church isn't a building. It's, it's us right. as a people and it's us gathering together and, 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 and um, you know, continuing the sharpening of one another and, and these types of things. And so, I, I, you know, the idea that you got to get into this building, eh, whatever Some of the metrics and stuff he talked about, he really got me lost there. But I, I think that I would, the only part that I would second um, is the checking your mission and your vision and always putting things against the, you know, up against that. They're putting them next to each other. But the right. other big um, thing there is I would like to challenge people. I would like to challenge the status quo, uh, if you will, for what a live stream for your church has to look like. I'd like right. to just challenge people to certainly think about what their online presence looks like holistically from the website to whatever social medias you are using and um, you know, and why you're using them and what type of tool you're thinking it is for you. I, I do think that it's always good to look at those things and to always do kind of an evaluation and just kind of checking in and, and, you know, almost like reconciling, uh, you know, your, your books or something like that, you know, like let's, let's see why, why are we doing this and how are we doing it? And is there a better, more effective way? And what is the most effective media that's out there? And are we, are we just copying another church because we don't know what we're doing and and we need to Mm -hmm. uh, do the same thing when, uh, or or have we gone into prayer and this is what God wants us to do? Because I do believe that God's going to speak to you. He knows what the people that are going to watch your service or be in your service need to hear, need to do, need to see, and then make, make that content, you know, as long as you're able to say, yep, we're doing that, then you're in a good place. Yeah, no, I agree. Brady, love you. Like, no, don't take this personal. Um, Just, 
I've used a lot of your content, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just work on, you know, your delivery a little bit better. Maybe your yeah. communication skills. Yeah. So. Helps not to come across on the negative side. Yeah. Your, your video looks great, though. <laughs> Other than that tree, man. I couldn't get over that tree in the background. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. It's a church stage from the 90s. Like, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. But. All those fake plants, man. Bro. Water the ficus. It's tree. It's a fake tree. Like I can't water. <laughs> awesome. Anyhow. Well, man, this is been... that's a boot. <laughs> yeah, a boot. All right. This has been a really long one because of what we were talking about. So let's wrap it up. Uh guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can always give us a five-star review. We'd love that. We subscribe, share it with a friend. Uh, let us know what you guys want to hear us talk about. Uh, we are working on creating a Facebook page, uh, and this is actually being streamed live on my personal YouTube channel, Justin Edmonds Official. Uh, so go hit subscribe, hit the notification bell. Um, probably going to start just live streaming these recordings. We do them late at night, so um, yeah, it's pretty fun. And then if you're on the Anchor app, make sure you're sending us, you know, like little snippets. You know, Jordan did that one time; that was great. We were able to answer that. We'd love to answer more of those. Um, yeah. So again, guys, thank you so much. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Thanks, guys. Salon.